All right, we are on. What's up, everybody? Today, we're going to talk about all things programming. We actually just launched our new cycle this Monday, and uh, I get a lot of questions, obviously, when we start a new cycle, of kind of like how we program, why we program, how do we pick certain exercises and the order and the rep scheme and all that good stuff. So I thought it would be a good time to kind of just break down how to approach programming overall, obviously a little bit more insight to how I do it and how we do it here at Functional Lifestyles with the what, the how, and the why as usual. And uh, to kind of give you guys, for those people that are listening to that, maybe that are doing more stuff by themselves, if, you know, what's the approach with programming? How do we actually structure the programming to be as efficient, as effective as possible? Um, and looking kind of at, you know, more of a global picture of programming, not just kind of day by day, which is where I think a lot of us kind of tend to program, right? Um, and this is when, you know, when you look at programming and results overall, you have to remember that there has to be a, a, a structure to what you're doing because when you go in, and then this is very, very different as the more time you spend training goes on. So I'll give you an example. If you're someone that's brand new to fitness and brand new to working out, in the beginning, you literally can almost do anything and it probably will stimulate some type of progress and result, right? Which is the cool thing. Um, where a lot of people get stuck or a lot of people hit plateaus is they end up doing the same thing over and over in the gym and they either A, get very bored of it and they quit before it actually works or B, they're doing the same thing for so long that the body has really kind of surpassed that adaptation phase and it's just kind of stuck in a plateau, right? And this is the biggest problem with going in and kind of repeating and not having a plan and just going through the motions every day in the gym and every single person, including myself, has done this. Uh, for the people that are working out, obviously. So the structure you have to remember is a huge piece, right? This is one thing that I always like to tell people is when you look at kind of training in general or coaching even more specifically, I always kind of like to tell people that there's four big reasons people go get a coach. And number one, the foundation of it is going to be knowledge. Do you know how to do correct technique and form, you know, nutrition stuff or whatever it is, just the knowledge and the know-how. Two is the structure, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. And with structure, you have accountability, which is number three, and motivation being the last one. So you have to remember that like knowledge and structure are the foundation to your success and results in the gym. And knowing what to do and how to do it with correct form um, is step one. But if you're doing the same thing or you're kind of just not really tracking weights, you're kind of going through the motion, you have no idea how intensity or progressive overload works, um, or you're at least not tracking it to even know what you should be progressively overloading, um, you will run into a plateau and you will stop seeing results, right? And at the end of the day, I hope that most of us that are training are there for the results and the effectiveness of what it's for. Um, for some people, it can be very different too, because if you're someone that kind of joins the gym because they like the social aspect or it's more of a mental release, then yeah, I think less um, less structure can almost be okay and more consistency would kind of be the goal for that type of personality. But for this, the person that wants to get in the gym and wants to lose body fat and wants to get stronger and wants to build muscle and wants to improve aerobic capacity or flexibility or some type of kind of metric or objective behind what they actually want from a result – the structure has to be the most important part to what you're doing, right? So I'm going to give you guys kind of just the the really the overview of, you know, macro-wise, how do we break down year by year and then into the mesocycle, into the micro-cycle, into the day-by-day, -day, into the actual workouts, and then kind of just all the kind of tools around it, right? So the way that we program here <clears> – <throat> is we do our, our micro cycles are six weeks, right? So basically we write a workout for every day of the week 
right? And then over the course of those six weeks, we repeat every single workout six times, right? And I'm going to come back to why we do this. So that's the micro cycle. Our meso cycle, which basically consists of two micros and one deload. So to make this easy to understand, a micro cycle is six weeks long. So a second one would be another six weeks, so 12 weeks in total. And then we do a one-week deload phase, right? And I will come back to deload as well. So six, six plus one is 13 weeks. So our 13 weeks is what we call our mesocycle, which is kind of the way I like to look at it is 13 weeks is a perfect quarter of a year because 13 times four is going to equal 52. And there's obviously 52 weeks in a year. So we try to take things very seasonally as an approach, right? So I'll give you an example. In quarter two and quarter three, so basically kind of the second and third cycle of the year, those are the warmest months that we have, right? So I tend to program a little bit more aerobic work, a little bit more outdoor stuff. Um, and as we get into kind of quarter one and quarter four, um, I tend to program a little bit more strength, a little bit more power. Um, and that is not consistent year by year, but that's just what I tend to kind of steer towards. And there's obviously a couple kind of restrictions and limitations based off location and weather, but like it's just helped us kind of stay structured with that from a macro standpoint. So a micro cycle is six weeks, a meso cycle is 13 weeks, and a macro cycle has four meso cycles, which would basically be the year 52 weeks planning. So when we program, we definitely don't program a year in advance. Um, I think in the future, this might be something I always tell people if I had a, a bunch of locations. Yeah, I might start getting more proactive about those things. But it's nice to kind of have some of that variability and that diversity in the programming and kind of adjusting with the ebbs and flow of, you know, how are clients responding? What are clients liking more of? Um, the evolution of training itself. Because one thing that I've learned, obviously, if you've been in this industry long enough as a trainer, as a coach, you tend to kind of get you kind of get your rhythm with programming right and if you look at how you programmed a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago or however long you've been doing this it's probably very very different um so that's why i try not to get too far in advance because like my evolution and my education and my understanding of what works best for clients responses and adaptations and results is very different so i like to not get too far ahead of myself right so that's kind of the overview of the structure so let's come back to the micro cycle in the six weeks and why we do six weeks. So in strength and conditioning, there's this kind of this, there's this golden, golden rule, golden law, what I like to call it, of the rule of 45. The rule of 45 basically states that you should be spending 45 days on a program and you should be spending 45 minutes in the gym. And here's why. If you're someone, and this conversation is for the 98% of people that are not competing for stuff that is very performance or and or gym related. So what I mean by that, if you're someone that's an Olympic lifter or a power lifter or a CrossFitter or you know an endurance athlete or anything that has competition behind it, this is a totally different conversation. You know, and this was one thing to kind of just a little quick backstory. When I was in CrossFit, you know, I always noticed that, that we were always programming our workouts for people that were going to the CrossFit games or had the ambition towards that. And what I realized is I'm like, maybe this is why so many fucking people are hurt all the time is because we're training the general population that 95 to 98% of our business, like they're trying to be the next rich froning and trying to be that high level athlete. And obviously if you're smart enough to understand this, how you train a professional athlete or a high level athlete or someone that's competing at that level is very, very different than someone that's general population that's just trying to feel better, most importantly, look better, have more confidence, be a little bit more stronger, faster and flexible so they can live life without pain, those kind of things. Um, and obviously the confidence that follows suit. 
versus someone that's training for one, two, three, four hours a day, eating like a machine, has to recover at a very high level. Like some, you know, a lot of these high level athletes, that is their job. So just to kind of really mark that part of the conversation, this today is going to be for general population, right? And I myself am part of general population. So, you know, when I got out of CrossFit, you know, kind of the bigger reasons why I kind of got out of coaching CrossFit as both a coach and an athlete was I realized very fast that, uh, you know, a lot of people were getting hurt. I don't think it was the very sustainable approach to kind of, you know, fitness for the general population. Um, and I wanted to find something that is more sustainable for everybody. And personally, myself, I use fitness as a functional tool and functional training program to make me better at everything else that I do outside of life. Like, I want my, my training to make me a better snowboarder, a mountain biker, a surfer, a golfer, like whatever it is. Like, I want to be able to use my, my performance and my, my body and my mobility and my strength and my speed to be able to do other things, right? Versus just being a person that is only good at doing gym stuff, right? And I don't want to feel like I'm knocking anybody because I have a lot of respect for every different area of fitness. Uh, I personally came from more of like a bodybuilding-ish style of training when I was younger because that's just kind of, you know, where my, what my dad and my mom were doing. And then I got into men's physique and then I got into CrossFit. Um, and there's kind of three cornerstones of fitness, right? We think about very performance-based training, which would be like Olympic lifting, powerlifting, uh, endurance athletes. There is uh, aesthetics-based training which is basically the goal of looking good, which would be bodybuilding, physique, men's physique, those kind of things. Um, and then there's movement-based stuff. It's, you know, flexibility, mobility type of training, which would be like yoga, um, Pilates, Tai Chi, those kind of things, right? So those are kind of the three areas, right? So for me, it's like I wanted to use the gym to be good at other things, but I also, I've never met a human being that's ever said, I don't want to look better. I don't want to be more flexible. I don't want to be stronger. I don't want to be faster. I don't want to like improve performance. Like, we all want all of those things. Um, so instead of just, you know, really honing down and being laser-focused only on one, I tried to think about when I opened up Functional Lifestyles, like, what what's kind of the big overarching objective that most people want? And how do we get to do, try to find the balance of everything, right? So coming back to the good old pursuit of balance kind of theory is there has to be a very balanced approach to training, right? So this is the same concept that I have with training as I do with nutrition and most things in life is I think it should be very cyclical. Meaning that I like, you know, when I was talking about quarter four and quarter one, I tend to do more strength stuff. So it's very strength focused. And as I get into more quarter two, quarter three, I tend to reintroduce more aerobic training, right? Um, and for some people that doesn't necessarily need to be stuff in the gym, that could be, hey, I'm running more often, I'm swimming more often, I'm surfing more often, I'm mountain biking more often, whatever. Um, and what I think that does is that kind of helps remove some of that boredom, you know, that boredom factor that a lot of people run into with training. If you're doing the same thing year round, 52 weeks a year, there will be some people that can do it forever. And that is a very, 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 very small percentage of people that actually will do that. So understanding that is I was always trying to think about, okay, let's let's look at my class is the masses, right? Meaning that the majority of people that are joining the gym have these very generalized goals, right? They're not performance athletes. They're not competitors. So let's kind of keep that more specifically there. So coming back to the rule of 45 is when we think about results optimization, here's why we do the 45-day thing is right when your body has provided some level of stimulus, right? Stimulus being any type of training protocol, no matter what it be. Your body has to, it goes through this adaptation phase in order to get good at it, 
So in order to get strong or in order to get fast, in order to get smart, in order to get good at anything, your body has to be adapted to that. So that's why we keep everything around six weeks. I do get this question a lot is like, why not four? Why not eight? Like I personally have done a, a squat cycle one time that was 16 weeks long. Like there is no like exactly a day 46 and suddenly results are going to stop working. It's just what we see as the average for the general population. Um, I, you know, personally have seen over the years of doing this that right around like week three to five, three to six is really where people start to get good. That's where they, they're kind of really starting to peak in adaptation where they're starting to get really strong. They're starting to get comfortable with the movements. You're seeing the numbers increase every week. Uh, and then right when you get to week about five, six, and seven for most over time that what I've seen is like that's where also some of the boredom starts to kick in. So I'll give you an example. We've had functional lifestyles open for four and a half, five years already. And every time we get to week six, we're always getting the same questions. What's the next cycle? We're ready for the next cycle. It's like they're almost like they're they're ready for that next piece. So that's why I chose to keep six instead of eight is because I felt like that was just kind of the sweet spot, Right. So every day of the week is a different workout. So when you look at programming, we want to have enough variety throughout the week to make sure that we're hitting all patterns of movement and kind of try plan our movement. I'll get into a little bit more of that in a second. Uh, but then what we do is we repeat our workout six times. So something that we encourage our clients and something that I encourage you guys to think about when you're training is try to pick days and times that you can be consistent with because number one, not only is that going to help with accountability, but more importantly, what that's going to do is from a results optimization standpoint, that's going to be the most optimal way to do it. And here's why. When you're doing something different every single day in the gym, sure, it's better than doing nothing. You are getting variety. You're keeping the excitement factor there. But you're not really optimizing adaptation, right? Like your body has to do enough of the same thing at the same reps, the same modality to really adapt to get good at those things. So I'll give an example. Like today we have um, four by five on box squats. So if I did 200 pounds on box squats today, my goal next week is like, okay, 205 or 210. Like we're just trying to get these small, very, very small incremental changes. So by the time I look at overall by the end of the cycle, if I took my squat from 200 to 240, right, I look at that going, oh, cool. Like there's a 20% increase in that exercise, meaning that my strength and my capacity has improved. And guess what? When it comes to motivation you have to remember results are the motivating factor progress is so we like to look at everything in the gym when it comes to data tracking as a little bit more of a well-rounded tracking device versus it only being the only you know objective thing being a scale right and i think that's where a lot of people get stuck in the gym is they're only looking at what's my weight doing you know obviously there's muscle mass there's body fat but then there's also strength and there's aerobic capacity then there's flexibility you know, there's nutrition, there's your stress, there's your sleep. There's so many different things we can track. Uh, and this is why I'm such a big fan of tracking what you want to improve because that's the thing that really kind of starts to light the fire under your ass of keeping you motivated. So, but really like coming back to the optimization standpoint is you want to have enough of that same structure and making sure that you're measuring it week by week. So something that we on a remote app for Train Heroic, you can track your numbers through there. In person, we do it through our Waterfy app. Um, I'm a big believer that if you're not tracking, you're going into the gym every day and you're guessing. And with guessing, I can guarantee you're going to hit a plateau not only quicker, um, but that plateau is going to hit a lot earlier too, right? So we really, really want to be on top of not having the structure and then making sure that we're tracking with inside of that structure, right? So that's why we do six weeks is number one, 45 days in our program to really, res you know, optimize 
getting enough adaptation to get strong and good at these things, but also not doing it for too long where I get stuck in a plateau for too long or get bored. The 45-minute rule is basically stating that, you know, and I think this is probably the biggest misconception in training and for most things in life that, you know, more is better. Um, and that's the farthest thing from the truth. One of the things that I realized as I've gotten older and as I've gotten more kind of mature and kind of increased my knowledge in this space with my body and my clients is you do not need to be training for 90 minutes or two hours or two and a half hours or three hours. And we see this all the fucking time and it's not the key to better results. It's not more is better all the time. So you have to look at why the 45-minute rule kind of exists is like we plan our workouts for an hour, but 15 minutes of every hour is spent doing mobility between warm-ups, between cool-downs. So that 45 minutes of training, you have to remember that your body is taking in some level of a stimulus, and with that stimulus – what's up? Sorry, guys. He's fucking my shit up. Uh, no, I'm good. Um, so when you look at that stimulus, the, one of the things you got to remember is when you're providing your body a stimulus and you're providing your body any type of kind of, you know, something that's going to provide you, that's going to fatigue you. Sorry. Now Evan threw me all off. Um, with that fatigue, your body's using energy, right? And with energy being expended, your body is going through its fuel sources, right? So why 45 minutes has kind of been studied as kind of the sweet spot for optimal training is because that's where your body's starting to really round and turn the corner of your body going, okay, I've kind of expended the energy and the fuel sources that we have stored, and now I'm starting to feel like I have less energy. I'm starting to lose that strength, and that's why we really want to focus on optimizing the 45 minutes of having training that's intense enough that by the time you finish that 45 minutes of actual training, which will probably look like an hour total between rest and between warm-up and cool-down um, or hour-ish, your body should be fatigued enough. Right. And if you feel like you have more in the tank, the way that I look at it is A, you mentally are just approaching it wrong, or B, you did not push yourself at all hard enough into that kind of that first 45 minutes to an hour. Right. So that's, that's what the rule of 45 is basically stating. Right. And that's something that I personally have kind of adopted probably for the last six or seven years now. And it just tends to be kind of the sweet spot for everybody because I think it's the nice balance between being in something long enough to obviously provide the result but also not being in it long enough where I get bored or I'm stuck in a plateau for a long time, right? So now to kind of go by like week by week or day by day, I'm sorry, like how do I actually pick the exercises or pick the type of you know movements of the day? When it comes to functional training versus aesthetics-based training, right? Like aesthetics-based training like when I was doing men's physique stuff – you tend to focus on like body parts, right? Or body split training. So I would say like today I'm going to do chest and triceps or tomorrow I'm going to do back and biceps, or I'm going to do legs or I'm going to do quad focused legs or hamstring or glute based legs. So you're picking like these different body parts kind of throughout the week to hit. And generally what I would suggest for people, and this is something that I did, is the areas that you want to do aesthetically improve the most, try to hit those two or three times a week. So for me, when I was doing my shows, it was always like upper chest, it was always like trying to get my, you know, my triceps and my lateral head of my shoulder to fill out. It was trying to get my upper back definition to show. My legs obviously have always been something that has been lacking for me. So those would be areas that I would try to program to hit a little bit more often with more frequency or volume or intensity. But when you look at performance-based training, we actually look at it kind of through a different lens. And I'll explain why they're actually so similar, just kind of said differently. 
performance-based training is going to be number one when you look at planning any program or workout you have to look at number one what is the end objective what am i actually trying to accomplish here is that an aesthetics improvement is it a strength improvement is it a speed improvement with performance-based stuff obviously it's going to be more strength and kind of aerobic focus so hey i want to run my mile time faster or hey i want to be able to squat an extra 100 pounds so the goal is trying to get stronger, so progressively overloading by having enough volume and enough stimulus to promote that growth. Um, that's performance-based, right? And then when it comes to functional-based training, we actually look at it through a lens here of patterns of movement and making sure that we understand that the human body is three-dimensional. So I'll give an example. There are seven basic patterns of human movement. Number one is gait. That's walking, that's jogging, that's running, sprinting, Right. Then we look at squatting, and squatting can have front squats, back squats, overhead squats, like the different everything on the inside of that continuum. Then we have hinging, right? That's going to be things like deadlifts, RDLs, etc. Then we have lunging, which would be almost more kind of in the squat motion, but that's going to be our single leg work and our single leg type of kind of movements. Then we have twist or rotation. Then we have push. Then we have pull. And when you look at push and pull, think about them in vertical planes and think about them in horizontal planes. So those are the seven basic human patterns of you know movement. And then the other side is when we think about human movement, we also have to remember that we are three-dimensional beings, meaning that there is a linear motion, sagittal, going forward, backwards. Then there's frontal plane, which is going to be more lateral motion. Then there's the transverse plane, which is going to be rotational. This was always my biggest argument in the performance uh, kind of CrossFit you know realm when I was in it is – it's not necessarily the most functional thing in the world if you're never incorporating rotational movements um, or lateral movements or even more importantly, one of the other things I like to remind people of is unilateral movements, which basically states that if I cut your body in half, your left and your right are very, very different. I am stronger on my right side. I am more flexible on one side. I am more coordinated on one side. So training things always in a bilateral fashion, such as barbell squats versus lunges, um, is not optimal from a functionality standpoint and a longevity standpoint. So here at Functional Lifestyles, I'm trying to find the perfect balance over the macro cycle, basically over the year of trying to hit all these things in a very, you know, structured manner, obviously, but give us the best balance of everything. Because when you think about functional training, functional training objective is basically to make you better at other things outside of the gyms and live without pain, feel really good, and kind of have that longevity aspect of training. When you look at performance-based training, the goal is to be as strong and as fast and have the best aerobic capacity that you possibly can have. So building an engine. When you look at aesthetics-based training, we're looking at looking our best possible version of ourselves, and it doesn't really matter how strong or fast or functional you are. And then there's obviously sports-specific things and things like that and movement-based stuff. So we're trying to find that kind of that sweet spot. So the way that I personally like to think about this is when you think about the uh, the connection, what I was saying with body split, if I say, hey, we're doing chest, shoulders, and triceps today, that's the same thing as a functional trainer and coach saying we're doing push, right? So there is a lot of relationship between both of them. The way that I personally like to look at it is more pattern of motion. Um, and the reason why I think about that is because when you think about functionality being number one and performance being kind of number two or right next to functionality, a byproduct of those two things are aesthetics, right? So I think a lot of people forget about this in the gym, that aesthetics are a byproduct of your lifestyle. It's not just your training program. And most people that do strength and conditioning correct, that manage their nutrition, sleep, and stress, they also look really, really good. 
right? So for me, it's like I don't want to be the best-looking dude in the world if I can't swing a golf club or go snowboarding during the wintertime. Like, there needs to be some balance there. Or, hey, I don't want to be someone that has an eight-pack, but I can't, you know, bench press 100 pounds. Like, there needs to be this nice kind of balance. Well, there doesn't need to be. Um, I personally want there to be this kind of nice balance between performance and functionality um, and obviously aesthetics. So that's when I think about programming, I try to find that balance between all these realms. And obviously you can't keep the focus on all of them every cycle, which is why my micro cycles will be a little bit different um, cycle to cycle and why my meso cycles will be different cycle to cycle and why my macro cycle over the year has a nice balance between all of them over the course of that 52 weeks. So that's kind of how I think about that, right? Now, that's the day-to-day, right? So we've kind of gone over week ob- or year objective, which is the macro. We've gone over the meso cycle, which I'll get into deload in a second. Um, we've gone over the kind of micro cycle, which is the six weeks, right? So what I want to do now is I want to talk about deload, and then I want to talk about workout breakdown, and that's kind of leave you with that. The deload phase is the most overlooked and skipped thing in all of exercise for almost every single person I know, athletes and coaches and everyone included, right? You have to remember that when your body has provided a stimulus, your body has to go through an adaptation phase, right? With enough stimulus, intensity, and volume behind it, your body is sympathetically driven from that, meaning we are breaking our bodies down during training, And without proper nourishment, recovery, sleep, stress management, your body will break down and actually start to become chronically sympathetic and you will run into injuries, you will run into burnout, you will run into lack of energy throughout the day, your sleep will suffer, you will become more stressed out. So this has to be the most important time. So yes, there should be integration recovery on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. But also training-wise, the reason why we do two six-week cycles and one-week deload is our deload is literally meant to say that we know clients and athletes are going to be shit at this by themselves. So this is kind of our way to force-feed this down, you guys, right? And what it is, it's focused more on body weight, more restorative movement, less intense, uh, less intensity, I'm sorry, less volume, um, more movement-based, meaning like full range of motion exercises, a lot of tempo work. And it's a great way for your body to just have one week out of every three months to go, okay, we're moving, but we're not exercising, right? And you've heard me say this a lot in previous podcasts, that movement and exercise, even though they're in the same dimension and bucket, They are different from each other, right? Exercise is a sympathetic thing. It is a breakdown of the human body. Movement can be very, very restorative and something that actually put in the recovery protocol. So even though they're in the same dimension, they can actually be used as two different things. Um, And that's what the deload is for, right? But last thing I want to kind of talk about is how do we program them within a day workout? And this is kind of uh, just going to be the Spark Notes version of how we do it. So obviously, I told you how we break down everything by the week. And when I look at things by the week, is I do I did I do squats this week? Do I do pushing? Did I do pulling? Is there gait? Is there twist? Is there lunge? Is there rotational movements? Is there lateral movements? Is there linear movements? Is there single leg, single arm, single side? I have all these things kind of in my head or writing them down. Obviously, as I'm programming, checking the box. Okay, Monday we did this and this and this. Cool check. And by the time I finish Friday, there should be enough checks that are balanced throughout the board with whatever the objective was for that cycle to be like, boom, we didn't miss anything. But then inside of the day, we personally have five kind of sections that we look at. We look at a warm-up, we look at a reset, and I'll explain this, and then we look at strength, and then there's a conditioning piece of the day, and there's a cool-down. That's a strength and conditioning day for us. If it's a strength-only day, it is a warm-up, just like others, reset, just like the other one, a strength piece, just like the other one, but instead of conditioning, it gets replaced with a second strength part, 
than a cooldown, just like the others. So when we program, I always think about the strength piece, the main strength piece of the day being the meat and potatoes of what we're doing, right? Meaning I start with the program there. So all right, we're doing, I'm just going to use today. I'm doing box squats and I don't do any reps or sets yet. I just write what's the actual content look like. We're doing box squats. Okay, this is going to be something that's going to be squat focused, a little bit more hinge dominant, um, linear, blah, blah. So it's kind of sagittal plane. So I'm checking these things off. Then what am I supersetting it with? So today it's kind of, uh, it's the plate dead bug banded march. So something that's going to be core and hip flexor activation work. So it's kind of restorative in between the squats. That's what I program first. And then if it's a strength only day, I'll program the second strength piece, right? If it's a strength and conditioning day, I'll actually do the reset. The reset is kind of a little acronym on what we call relative strength work and stability work, right? So this is the second part of every workout. Relative strength is body weight. I personally think that body weight training is more functional than absolute strength, which is basically moving objects around in space, which would be weight training. And the reason why is when you can learn how to control your own body via push-ups, pull-ups, handstands, you know, body weight squats, pistols, etc., it transfers over really, really well and effectively over to the absolute strength stuff. And some of the benefits that relative will actually provide you that some absolute stuff doesn't is you get um, more body awareness. You get more total body stability activation. So doing a bench press versus a push-up. A push-up is kind of like doing a plank at the same time. Um, and it's less there's less chance of injury because there's not external load. You can make, I'm not saying body weight's easier, but you can make, for most people, if you ask, honestly ask them what their goals are, a lot of people will say like, oh, I suck at pull-ups. Like a lot of people do suck at body weight stuff. Um, so I always look at it as a, a great way to prime for what I'm doing. So for example, I might do something like a pistol squat, a body weight single leg squat as my relative strength piece of the day before I did something like front squats. And the reason why is it's a great way to open up the ankles. It's a great way to open up the knees and the quads. It's more aligned with the front squats of what I'm doing for the day. And it's going to be less chance of me doing front squats than pistol and hurting myself with doing front squats first, right? The stability aspect is going to be things that challenge the body in a little bit more of a functional aspect. So these could be things like rotational movements or lateral movements um, or anti-rotation or anti-lateral or single leg or single arm or single side or single load. Um, and it's a great way to get the core to activate. It's a great way to kind of work on imbalances and asymmetries over time. And that is a huge piece because that actually makes you better at the big part of the day for squatting, right? Well, I'm using that for example. So relative strength and stability is what we call reset, right? It's a great way to kind of reset the body and prime the body for that big strength movement. But more importantly, less of a primer great way to activate things and kind of really fix these imbalances and asymmetries over time then like i said if it's a double strength part we'll do the strength piece second or the conditioning piece and then i program warm up and then i program cool down last so i go strength reset conditioning warm up cool down so it's kind of weird how i program it right so strength is the first part i program i don't start from the top down I start from the middle then i do reset what's going to be a great primer and activation work for that big piece of strength and it's always aligned for what I'm doing that day. Same thing with conditioning. And then I go warm up and cool down specific to what I just did for that content that day. So that's kind of how I program from day by day, from week by week, from cycle by cycle, from overview of kind of how the whole year. And more importantly, like, why do we choose this methodology? Because we want you guys to feel good and have longevity and sustainability behind the training. Every single person I know, including myself, wants to look good. So aesthetically focused on 
you know, is my training going to provide me the body type that I want? So some inheritance there, but mainly it's performance based and functionality being the big focus, right? All right, guys, I know that's a, a lot of stuff to kind of take in. And for some of you that are obviously not programming your workouts, it's probably not even that interesting. I just got that question a lot this week. So I wanted to share that for the ones that wanted to hear that. Um, as always, have a great weekend or have a great day, whatever day this is on. And I will talk to you guys next Friday. Catch you later.